Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. It is another terrific Tuesday, and we are so glad to have you with us for another Daybreak Devotion from McLeansville Baptist Church. You know, we really don't know how to appreciate the opportunity we have here each day, do we? Not at all. To be able to come together and, (laughs) you know, leave in a much better state than we enter into. That's the way it always should be. When you tune into the Daybreak Devotions, you should always, at the end of it, feel better, leave better than you came. Absolutely. Wow, you're silent. You're stunned over there. Why don't you just, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you just rest and take a break, and I'll just kind of steer the ship right on through here. Well, that's kind of what I'm prepared for. Okay. Well, you know, we, uh, back in the old days, way back last year when we used to do Mid-Morning Manna, we used to always have a song. Now, we don't always have a song on Daybreak Devotion, and there's reasons for that, I guess, but uh, most of the time it's because we can't seem to get through the text we're going to study, but... I thought it'd be nice. Let's go ahead and have a song today. We've got actually one. Now, this is an older recording from a younger Lamar family, but this is the Lamar family from right here out of McLeansville Baptist.
that I just wanted to let the rest of that music. I mean, when a when a musician is going to hit those licks, you don't want to cut that that musician off. I mean, that's 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 art. We need better hand signals around here. Well, any hand signals would have helped there. That was more just me looking at you, you looking at me. Me gi- looking at you, looking at me. I was giving you the head nod. Oh, I didn't see the nod. But that's because I was already ahead of you thinking about what I wanted to say. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, pal. Would you mind being my Valentine for the next, oh, 15 minutes or 20 minutes or so? I reckon I am the uh, definition the of a option. captive audience. So. That's right. Best option I've got. Yep. Oh, St. Valentine. What do you know about St. Valentine? Well, I know that February 14th is named after him. Do you know why? Because of a massacre. <laughs> no, that is not. <laughs> wow, no, there was a massacre that happened on February the fourteenth on Saint Valentine's Day. Hence, it is called the Saint Valentine's Day massacre. I knew it was a bloodbath, one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Talk about not knowing your history. Saint Valentine, who died in the third century in Rome has the feast day named after him on February the 14th. So in the Roman Catholic Church, it's a, a feast day on February 14th. So for, there's the first question. Well, maybe the second question after Will You Be My Valentine is, what shall we feast on? According to Encyclopedia Britannica, because I feel like I know this isn't Friday fun day, okay? This is serious stuff here. But Yes, it is. I can tell you're really... But I, I felt like it would be worth at least mentioning... But according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, St. Valentine is the name of one of two legendary Christian martyrs whose lives seem to be historically based. That leaves a lot of questions, doesn't it? That's a real vague certainty. It seems to be historically factual. Well, here's the problem. Although the Roman Catholic Church continues to recognize St. Valentine as a saint of the church, he was removed from the general Roman calendar in 1969 because of the lack of reliable information about him. But do you have any idea what he is the patron saint of? No idea. Three things according to the uh, EB. Okay. Do you want to take a guess? I mean, it's three things. He's. I mean, you, you stand Love. at it. Well, he's the patron saint of lovers. Okay. Of epileptics and beekeepers. <laughs> what? It's a smorgasbord. Therefore, it's a feast day. Yeah, I don't I don't have all the background on all lovers, of that. epileptics and beekeepers. And I don't know what all those things have in common. By some accounts, Saint Valentine was a Roman priest. <laughs> and physician who suffered martyrdom during the persecution of Christians by the emperor Claudius II Gothicus. If well, hey, it's Claudius II Gothicus. Uh, that was around the year 270. But according to legend, St. Valentine signed a letter, quote, from your Valentine to his jailer's daughter, whom he had befriended and healed from blindness. So he's a healer. Another common legend states that he defied the emperor's orders and secretly conducted weddings to spare husbands from having to go off to war. Oh, so he's a draft dodger. No, no, no. He's not a draft dodger, but was assisting. He's a facilitator of draft dodger. Either that or he just really believed in love, and why should you separate these two hearts? It's kind of like Andy on the uh, the episode where the Hatfields and the, or Wakefields and the Carters were, were feuding, uh-huh. and, and Josh and uh, what's her name? Hannah? 
wanted to get married, but their daddies wouldn't have no part of it. Huh. But Andy worked it out. Good old Andy. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like a Valentine. So anyway, Valentine's Day is as a lover's festival, uh, and, and it dates from at least the 14th century. So you should go out there today, find your true love, and celebrate. So uh, do you have any plans for your Valentine today? No. I mean, aside from me as your Valentine for this half hour. Um, we are going to go out for lunch today, just the two of us and probably our youngest hmm. because he's not in school yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're just going to enjoy a relatively quiet lunch together. Well, we need to transition over here to Psalm 119 because yes, we do. if we keep up the pace we've been on, on this study of the way of the devout heart, we will finish Psalm 119 sometime in the new millennium. Right now, Psalm 119 is shaping up to make our Monday mornings in Mark look brief. Yeah, this is. Uh, but we're going to get right to it today, in, in all kidding aside and all history about Valentine aside. So we have introduced the, this section twice, Friday and yesterday. So we're going to dive into it today, verse 17 through 24. Again, just a reminder, the subject here in this section we've called um, We Cannot Live Well Without the Word of God. Now let's come back to verse 17 because it's the first thing we see in how he describes to us what it means to live life well with the Word of God. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. I said this already in the introduction before, but the point here being that the purpose of life is to live according to the Word of God. That's it. That's that's the number one thing. That's what he opens this, this part of the psalm up with. The purpose of life is to live according to the Word of God. Now, you can trace that because living according to the Word of God is to live in the will of God, which would then be the ultimate purpose to live to the glory of God. And so, remember the... Uh, is the Westminster Confession, the the chief end of man is to to know God and to enjoy Him forever. Something like that, yeah. Which is essentially a way of saying that our life is about glorifying God. I, I know, I know. John Piper has famously said, "Let me see if I can get it right." God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. I think it's the way he says it. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Which, you know, that, that, that takes you to Psalm 23 and so many other passages. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everything I have, I, I, come, I receive from him. So the purpose of life is to live according to the word of God, which gets us living in the will of God to the glory of God. To the point that you made about God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him, that states so well what we mean by Jesus being our all. Because when we are most satisfied in him, we are content in him completely. And we are going to him for our everything, for our very sustenance of life, which is all that God asks of us. And we make it so much more difficult by thinking God wants our performance, he wants our execution, he wants all of these different things which ultimately we can, we can do. That's not what he wants. He just wants us to be satisfied in him completely. And as we deal through these next few verses, we see how that practically looks in our day-to-day life. And so, to that point, verse 18 then says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I think what we see as far as his testimony here of how vital the word of God is to him, the petition of his heart is to be given revelation. He wants to receive more 
from God. When I was thinking on this the other day, I remembered how my son, my youngest son, Benjamin, because he's still the little one, and uh, when we're watching a television show like the Andy Griffith Show, and so we, we may watch an episode in an evening, and it's getting close to bedtime, but he wants to get one more in there, and so when that, that, that episode we're watching is going off and the credits are rolling, the chant becomes, one more, one more. And I was thinking about that because that's what the psalmist is saying. When he comes to his place of prayer and he comes to his place of spending time with God in God's word, his prayers, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Through my life, since I was you know, 20 years old, I've been praying Psalm 119, verse 18. You know, as a, a very young minister, as a Sunday school teacher, as a preacher, and, and certainly as a pastor, I mean, when I come to the Word of God, I want to get what God wants to give me out of it. But he has an appetite for the Word of God. How many people do you know, and just as something to think about, how many people do you know that that, that could be said of them, that they have an appetite for the Word of God? Like you think about generally just people in general, people you know, if you were to, to, to put some term to that, boy, they strike me as someone who has a real appetite for, and then fill in the blank. How many people could you really say, they have an appetite for the Word of God. But that is what we want. That's the testimony we want to have. One thing I want to say about that before we move on, I want to draw our attention to verse 20, okay? Because he says, My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. And the reason I wanted to jump to verse 20 is because right here is it's a very similar verse because he's express, expressing a passion that he has in his soul to receive another word from God. But one thing I think that makes verse 18 stand out is it's almost like the prayer there is, equip me, God, so that I will be able to do the responsibility that you've given me. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And maybe I'm making that connection because as a minister and as a teacher of God's word, I pray that so I will be equipped to carry out the ministry God has given me. But it goes so well into verse 17 as well for, for not even the minister but for everyone, he's literally asking, I, want, I need to be able to live. I need your word. But it's going to take you, God, doing the work in me. He, he's, he's showing his total and complete reliance on God. Because I can't see, I can't understand, I can't learn anything, God, without you doing the work in me. So it's not about having an appetite for God's word and, boy, he studies God's word a lot. He's very intellectual. He's very learned. That's not the kind of appetite because that's all the work of man. What the psalmist is revealing here is, God, I need you to open mine eyes. I need you to give me understanding. You need to be able to do this so that I can see what I need to see. He's not going to be somebody that's bragging and boasting about how many verses he has memorized, how many pieces of paper he's got on a wall signifying his his status as a biblical scholar, but the total dependence on the Lord to do the revealing work of his word in his life. Well, we come back to the word identity. It is, it is his identity, which brings us to verse 19 because he identifies himself. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Again, there is a reliance here on God's word. He recognizes that he needs God's guidance. He needs God to give command. The, the idea of the stranger or the pilgrim here, but it also calls to mind the idea of the soldier. 
the servant. Any of those would fit because he's, what he's saying is I need orders. I need direction. And one of the reasons that I need that is because I'm a stranger on this earth. When I, when I was living my life, when I was apart from God, oh, I fit in just fine. It didn't matter. I could, I could make it through. But now that I belong to the kingdom of God, this world is strange to me, and I don't really know what to do. I don't know how to go. I don't know how to manage my life. And that's okay. Every child of God, every follower of Jesus should adopt that kind of a, of a mindset that I need God to give me direction because the world is dangerous without God's direction. Our prayer becomes, Lord, shepherd me. And remember, we're, what we're doing is we're trying to describe what the way of the devout heart looks like. And the predominant thing, of course, through the psalm, is it's, it's all prayer. But look at how he's petitioning God for these things. He's petitioning God to teach him. He's petitioning God to direct his movements. He's petitioning God, uh, as we'll go on down through this, he's petitioning God to help him stay focused. All, all of this seems to center around the idea of the way of, the, of a devout heart is someone who is totally reliant upon God to guide, to direct, to equip them through his word. This is the way God wants us to live. So the, there's the petition for revelation. There's the pilgrimage that requires the guidance of command. And then I've already mentioned verse 20. Read it again. My soul breaketh for thy longing, or my soul breaketh for thee longing, that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Let's just focus on that last part of the verse. The, 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 the longing that he has at all times. So again, something I said yesterday is that for the person who is living in the way of the devout heart, this dependence on the word of God means that they don't see God's word as something that they will do if they have time. You know, I'll, I'll read my Bible I'll fit it in if I can, but I'm going to do everything else first. This is someone who likes Psalm 1, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, but verse 2 in particular, he meditates in the Word of God day and night. He, he really has this sense of, Lord, my heart beats for this. There's nothing else that satisfies me like your Word. And I think that's what verse 20 is giving us. And that's something, again, it's not... It's not exclusive just to ministers or to the, you know, the leaders in Christendom, but this is something that every child of God can enjoy, and and not only can enjoy, but should enjoy. The Father offers it to each and every one of us, and we rob ourselves when we are so distracted and so filled with other things that this isn't said about us, and so we've got to be vigilant to to make sure that that our heart is drawn in this way because of what is offered to us. Well, I, I grouped the next portion together, verse 21 through 23, and let me read them, and then I'll, I'll share with you what I got out of that group of verses. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did set and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. What would you say you're hearing out of those words right there? What is the attitude of this of this heart? I would say an attitude of I can't think of the, the term, not pride, but but 
he's satisfied with what he has with what he's done. He he has taken ownership of the role that that he has played in cherishing the word of God and and and, and keeping it before him. He he knows he's done what is expected and what is required and and he has been faithful and true to everything that he has said early on. This is my priority. He's saying, "Look, I can be transparent and say, yes, this has been it. So uh, the word that I would use is confidence. Yes. There's confidence coming forth in this testimony right here. You know, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, that have erred. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. I'm not the one that's erring. Princes, people in authority, set and speak against me. But thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Now, you could, depending on what your posture and attitude is, you could say, well, this guy's he, this guy's really defensive. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, boy, this guy's really confident. And I think that is something that that will play out. It's a dynamic that will happen when, when you have people that are walking with Christ in the way of the devout heart, and they learn how to be confident in the Lord. They understand that they will be spoken against there will be people who don't understand them. There will be some that will slander them. But their prayer, again, remember, this is prayer. This is between him and God. But he's saying, Lord, don't let me be caught up by that. Mm-hmm. Don't let me be brought down by that. And the way I termed this section or these three verses is the protection of his heart is fixation on the word of God. That's what he understands. Lord, let me fix my heart so that I can be safe from these things. What things? Distraction. There's distraction coming at him that's trying to pull him apart, trying to get his mind unfocused. There's the disturbance of accusations being brought against him. There's the deviousness revealed in verse 23 that people are actually taking action against him. They are literally speaking against him. So this isn't just theory. This is actually being done. And all of these things are the way that the enemy works to pull us away from a life of mission-mindedness, which is what this guy's after. He is on this way of the devout heart because he is a servant of the Lord. He's a child of God. He is in our New Testament um, understanding. He's the friend of God. He's the friend of Christ. He is, he is seeking to do the Lord's will, but the enemy wants to distract us. The enemy wants to disturb us. The enemy wants to deviate us from that task. But Psalm 25, verse 14 and 15, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. And I just want to highlight verse 15 there. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. There are, there are times in my, there have been many times in my life where I feel like the Lord has said to me in those same words, going back to yesterday's discussion about how God speaks to us, but that phrase, eyes on me, look at me, just keep the focus on me. And it's, it's so many places in Scripture we could go to where, People got their eyes off the Lord, and they mm-hmm. failed. But when they put their eyes on the Lord, they succeeded. Moses, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Peter began to sink when he wasn't looking at the Lord. So many examples of both ways. What I see through this this confidence that comes as a result of, of the devout heart is the ability to choose what you listen to. Because as we've said before in so many other venues, there are there are... So many voices that are speaking to us each and every day. But the confidence that comes from our intimate walk with Christ and hearing his voice 
gives us the ability to to hear the other voices and say, no, I, I'm not going to choose to listen to that. I'm going to choose to meditate in thy statute. Lord, I'm going to choose to meditate on your word. Your voice is the one that I'm tuned into, that I'm taking you know, the most seriously, that I'm going to choose to, to dwell with. When we lack that confidence in the voice of Christ and we're hearing everything else, we take to heart the princes speaking against us and the voices of everybody else, and it'll lead to discouragement and, and, and onslaught and all of that different stuff. But to hear from Christ and, and say, no, I can be confident in knowing that I'm walking the devout path. I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm hearing, Lord, the voice of confirmation from you. I'm going to choose to dwell there. Well, that leads us to the final verse. And the final point that we'll make today, verse 24, he says, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And what we see in this man who has told us that he cannot live well without God's word is that the pleasure of his soul is being led by God's testimonies. What really makes his heart come alive is when he hears from God. That is the pleasure. That's what really pleases him. They're his delight and his counselor. And I thought, you know, as a as a parent, all of us who are raising children or have raised children, you know, I've often thought that when I give my personal stories or I try to illustrate something that I want my children to learn, a lot of times it feels like it kind of fell on deaf ears. You know, well, here goes another one of those stories. And, and I'm sort of playing that up. I mean, my children didn't necessarily show that, but I would assume sometimes based on what the outcome would be that it fell on deaf ears. But when God says to us, hey, let me tell you a story, well, when God says, set still a moment, be still and know that I am God, I've got something to show you, well, that's something that we ought to learn how to stop for. And a lot of times, we could really bring into the subject, the talk here, the conversation, the subject of hurry, because we're in such a hurry. We're in such a hurry to fix our problems. We're in such a hurry to get to the next thing. We really don't have time to stop and listen to God. It'd be a great place to bring in the story of Elijah and how he finally got up there in that cliff and was able to hear that still small voice once all the distractions got out of the way. But the way of the devout heart is to learn to take counsel from God. Learn how to hear and take counsel from God. You cannot live well without the Word of God. That's the way of the devout heart. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.